Welcome to Jammin' with Jason Mefford, a show where we discuss topics relevant to chief audit executives and professionals in audit, risk, and compliance. We discuss the technical and soft skills needed to navigate the minefields of organizations. You hear best practices and practical advice for helping you advance your career, and we'll even talk about music, mindfulness, and psychology, because we can. So sit back and relax while you listen to the number one podcast in the world for internal auditors, unscripted and unedited. Welcome everybody to another episode of Jamming with Jason. Hey, we're doing one of my favorite episodes again, where we're, we're learning lessons from a chief audit executive. And uh, today I have Frank Coleman with me. And he is the chief audit executive of Farmers and Merchants Bank here in California. And um, so welcome, my friend, to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be a part of this. Thanks for asking me. Now, I, I think it's, it's kind of funny, too, because, you know, even though we're, we're remotely doing this, you're, li you're literally two miles down the road from me, <laughs> which is kind of funny. We're in the same IIA chapter. Anyway, we've known each other. But it's, it's nice to have you on. So maybe, um, you know, just give people kind of like a one-minute overview of kind of how you progressed in your career to now being a chief audit executive. I think you've been there at the bank now about eight years doing this. Eight I think years. you were head of audit before that, I believe too, right? So just kind of let people know what kind of got you to this point in your career. Sure, absolutely. Um, and again, thanks for letting me share this with everybody. Um, actually, I have a deep background in public accounting. I'm, I am a CPA, I'm certified in North Carolina. And I spent 13 years with KPMG doing financial statement audits, primarily financial institutions. Uh, and then also uh, I went away for three years, came back and did another four years in a uh, general management consulting group okay. and where we focused on financial services and strategic planning, profitability projects, things of that nature. Uh, really did a lot for me from the standpoint I was probably half the time helping to execute projects as well as other half, I was out selling. I was, mm -hmm. you know, cold calling and doing things like that. So when, when you, you need thick skin because you get told <laughs> no a lot. And so uh, that, that's one of those sort of maturity moments that, you know, really kind of helps to advance you. You find out a little bit more about yourself and other people. And uh, so then uh, I ended up with uh, Wachovia an internal uh -huh. audit in their, uh, I'll call it their commercial banking arena. And a lot of lending, a lot of credit risk uh, management functions, uh, commercial banking, corporate banking, things of that nature. And as we all know, obviously Wachovia imploded. I was there when it happened. Uh, was able to survive the acquisition by Wells Fargo. And so uh, between Wachovia and Wells, I spent eight years there. When I left Wells, I was in their wholesale banking group and I, I covered a multitude of, uh, again, very similar in my Wachovia days, a lot of the same functions, but I also, while I, about a year into it, I added uh, in wholesale banking, the accounting and finance function. Mm -hmm. And which was really interesting, gave me an additional view, not only to, you know, typical bank functions, corporate, commercial government banking, things of that nature, but it gave me the accounting and finance folks, the group controllers, the head of finance for wholesale banking. So what, what's been happening over time is a really nice horizontal spread of experience that played 
very well into the role I'm at today. Now, obviously I did moving from uh, Wells Fargo out here, you know, eight years ago, obviously I go from a mega bank to a bank that we're uh, just under 8 billion in assets and we're primarily in Orange County and LA County, but it was also quite the challenge to come in here. And as you know, you interview for a job, uh, you're not going to learn everything during the interview process. <laughs> well, they're not going to tell you everything in the interview. They're they not going to take the job. <laughs> <laughs> and literally, my first day was day one of a three-week target exam by the regulators with the primary target internal audit. And I just walked in the door. Well, there, there were some things that preceded my joining the bank that warranted the attention level by the regulators. I, I won't go into it here. But it didn't take me very long to realize that this, this is a total gut job. I tell a lot of people, I blew it up, started all over again. Mm -hmm. There's no owner's manual, user's guide or anything like that. This is all about using your experience, uh, your trials and tribulations, uh, as well as you're thrust into a lot of HR matters. I inherited a lot of people that had no business being an internal audit. Nothing against them as people. The fit was not there, and I needed to move them on, which I, I did that wholesale. I pretty well cleaned house mm -hmm. and had to start all over. So it's not just the methodology you're concerned with and getting that up and running, but because it, it had to be completely overhauled. It's the people part of it. Who's going to help me go down this path? Yeah. And so that's what I had to do. And, and, you know, and even that's, it's not perfection. You know, there were, um, we'll call them hiring mistakes along the way. Hey, we're only human. We're not perfect, <laughs> but you have to mush all this together to, you know, to make this happen. And then at the same time, I'm on the executive committee. So I'm answering to, you know, the other, you know, executives in the bank. I've got the audit committee. And then when I'm in front of the board, I've got them. Then I got the regulators who were frequently looking at me. Frank, how's progress going? How's you, how you doing here? I get an MRIA, I get an MRA. And like, guys, it takes time. You know, this is, this is not a snap your finger, boom, I'm done kind of thing. I would say at about the three year mark, I was really beginning to feel pretty comfortable with what we had going. And we were, we had worked very hard at our stature. And, you know, and, and I also realized that for this particular bank, there was a real education needed. It's just part of the culture that I walked into the awareness and understanding and appreciation of risk and controls. It became very apparent early on and like, okay, I've got a, almost like a third prong going here in education. And because I have to help people understand what it is we're doing in internal audit. But I think with my background and my experience, it, it allowed me to demonstrate fairly quickly that I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that, that into where we are today, we, we're, we're in an excellent place in the bank today. Now, I'm in, I'm in here eight years now, and so a lot has happened, but I remember stepping in the first day and my predecessor became, had become the risk manager and he wasn't very helpful. Just, Hey, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm having to ask a ton of questions and that's one of the things when you roll into something like this, you got to be willing to ask the questions and 
realize you don't have all the answers right off the bat. In fact, you're better off not trying to act like you're the know-it-all and you need to learn, listen, absorb. Every, every organization has its own culture. Well, this one has you know, got its own culture. I had to learn that too. And how do I you know, sort of take what I need to do and move it into that culture, but also get that culture to start changing. So a lot, you know, that's a kind of a long-winded answer to what you originally asked for, but just kind of give people an idea of just, you know, part of what's involved when you step into something like this, because it's not your normal, oh, you're the next CAE, somebody's retiring, you know, it's a, it's a nice standing practice, it's, it's humming along. That's one aspect of being a CAE. Then you get like what I've walked into, and there are other CAEs out there that have done the same thing, that there's a lot of work. And, you know, you, there's a lot of um, sometimes taking heat and mm-hmm. people, you know, pushing back. And, wow, what, man, audit was never like this. And, like, we're, we're not talking about prior audit. That's out the window. That's gone. I had to. And you, you also realize that you also got to, um, you, you can't lose your cool. You, you, you got to be, <laughs> you, you, you really have to keep your cool and be very professional about what you're sharing with everybody. Because believe me, as, as we've gone through these audits, um, there, I'd say the first three or four years, we had a lot of uh, less than satisfactory audits. Mm-hmm. And you don't always make a lot of friends that way. So, uh, but, you know, it, it, but it was a really good education for everybody. But they also realized that, you know, I'm pragmatic. I'm very reasonable about things and I'm going to listen. And that was one of the big things I learned coming into this job. Not that I was not a, I was, I've always been a good listener, but boy, you really, I really had to do it here just to understand the other side of the story. There's always two sides to every story. Yeah. Audit's got its story. The business partner has its story. And, And then I have to step back and put the two together and say, okay, here's where we are. Well, yeah, and I think it's uh, it's always good because you just gave like a whole bunch of really good information for people. So sometimes I, get, I like to just kind of do a little timeout and summarize a few of the, the key points. And, sure. then, and, then, and then I want to kind of take a couple of these things that you said and maybe go a little bit deeper on them. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, again, just your experience is similar to a lot of other chief audit executives, right? Mm-hmm. You may have public accounting experience. You had two stints of that you know, CPA, but you've, you've done more than just audit. So this is another thing, because I think sometimes people worry that, you know, if I, if I come into audit late, or if I start audit and I go somewhere else, I'll never be able to come back. And so, you know, again, people that's off the table, right? In fact, the, the best CAEs usually have, I love that term, a horizontal spread of experience you've you you know what it's like to be in the other chair and that makes you a way better auditor as well right um and and i and i love you know about having to have thick skin because ultimately you know you you may not realize that until you get into it (laughs) but you gotta have thick skin as an executive and so if you're you know easily charged easily offended those are probably some skills that you're going to need to work on before you get to that point. I, I would agree with that. And, 
it, you know, and, and a little more about this bank, it is a, we're privately held mm -hmm. and we have fourth generation brothers running the bank. So it's a family bank and that, that gets down that cultural path. And what I've learned with both the brothers and they're two very different personalities, but what I've learned with them is again, getting back to that comment I made about being, you know, pragmatic, being reasonable, just being matter of fact with them. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and jump on the desk and pound my fists on the desk and say, it's gotta be this way. It's really more matter of fact, like, okay, here's, here's really where we need to be at the end of the day now, but then I got to turn around and listen to them. You know, they're going to come back at me. I'm totally cool with that. And, uh, and now we've got some other executives, uh, two in particular that have uh, come from outside the organization. They joined the bank after I joined. And uh, then we have a, another executive who's been with the bank some 55 years. He's our, um, you know, CFO, highly respected. And so, you know, I've got all that going on too. So you've got a mix of people who, this is all they know. And we, we have a lot of very tenured people here. This is all they've ever known is this bank. And this is how we do banking. But then now we brought on a decent number of people, including myself, who have seen banking in other places, in typically in many other places. Mm -hmm. I've happened to do it with um, you know two mega banks, but also my audit days at KPMG, I did a ton of community banks and thrifts back when they were still around. Mm -hmm. So I've been able to take all of that. And that, to me, that just adds to that horizontal view I've been referring to, because that was a comment that CEO made to me probably about a year, year and a half after I got here and things were beginning to really kind of roll and take root. He made the comment, um, he and I were just talking and he said, that's what we liked about your background. You were, you had that landscape view, that horizontal view instead of being siloed and it, it, it's a knock, but then again, not a knock if you're in the big mega banks where um, now you can transfer within audit, but you're going to need to do that. If you're aspiring to be a CAE, you're going to need to broaden your horizons. You're going to need to spread yourself. And if you stay locked in a silo, okay, realize what that's going to do to you. And in terms of your mobility, if you want to move into being a CAE, you got to realize and, and, uh, that it's going to take more than just stay, sticking in that silo. You are going to have to do some movement either within that internal audit organization, or you may have to switch banks and uh, go into another internal audit group. So that's been my experience. And it just, for me, it's played out very well to have this you know, really landscape view that I've, I've enjoyed. Yeah. Well, and I like, I like the, the imagery that you use too. you know, the fact that there's really no owner's manual to this be, be, because I, I want to kind of talk about this because I, th I think sometimes people think there's one right way to do everything and you must do it this way. And I, I guess so many people that are like, just tell me exactly what to do. And it's like, you know, that, that's the wrong question, folks, right? You gotta, you gotta answer a whole bunch of other questions. Cause you know, again, like you said, you were with KPMG for quite a while. Um, you know, saw lots of things there, went to Wachovia and Wells, both of those places had different cultures. So you had to get used to the culture at, at both of those big mega banks. But then you get thrown into, you know, a smaller community bank with a very steeped tradition. I mean, Farmers and Merchants is an icon here in the Orange County, LA area, you know, if, if yeah. you're from this area. And, uh, but because of that, you know, like you said, you've got fourth generation, 
privately owned family business and, you know, working for a billionaire and a privately owned family business myself, that brings in, you know, a whole bunch of dynamics, especially with the different generations. So, you know, what are some things, you know, and you've already almost kind of given the answer (laughs) to some of this, but you know, when, when you walk in, cause this is true if you're a chief audit executive or, or even, you know, any, anybody else, when you walk into a new job, you know, there's kind of some things that, that you need to do to, to figure out what really needs to be done without um, losing your cool, without, you know, making enemies of everybody to begin with. Um, so, so, so what are some of the things? Cause I've, I've seen a lot of young executives kind of come in and think they know everything and start telling everybody what to do and think things are going to change like in six months and inevitably they fail, right? They end up getting outsourced or they, whatever the term happens to be in their company. Um, so what are some things, you know, again, as, as people are coming into this and you really got kind of that baptism by fire, you know, I think you used (laughs) something about a, you know, buzzsaw coming at you, you know, when you walked in there, because there were certain things that needed to change. How do you find that out? How do you kind of work on a plan and keep that longer term goal instead of doing silly things in the short term? Well, when I walked into this and, you know, some of what I had to do for those people who maybe someday get thrown into a turnaround situation, which, you know, if you get that opportunity, I mean, it, it can be very rewarding. And, but realize there's a heck of a lot of work that has to go into it. And a lot of stepping back and thinking about, okay, what needs to happen here? I, okay, I got to leverage my public accounting days, my eight years in mega bank, you know, internal audit. And like, okay, what needs to happen here? So, you know, this sounds kind of simple, but like, for instance, I asked for the audit committee charter. Well, that's pretty standard. Mm-hmm. While I'm reading it, I'm like, uh-oh, okay. No, we, we got to start all over. I rewrote the audit committee charter. And then I hired a um, somebody from KPMG out here. She's uh, my senior manager. And initially coming in the door, uh, she was literally my right-hand person, almost like a deputy of sorts. And so what she and I then had to do, we scrapped the, the audit standards that were here, if you want to call them audit standards, they really weren't. And we had to build our, what is what we now call our internal audit charter and standards, we built that from scratch. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're going out to the internet, you're, you're pulling down what you can. I did that for audit committee charter. And then uh, the report format that we uh, inherited was, was awful. I mean, it was just not meaningful at all. We had, we scrapped that and developed a brand new uh, report format. And that was much more meaningful. You know, you got to put good quality information in there. We, we had an executive summary. We, we put scope information in there. We call them reportable issues, key issues and matters requiring attention. And then uh, we originally called them observations. We call them process enhancements. Now, those that don't, you know, we just stick them in there. They don't, they don't affect the report rating. And like, okay, what is that meaningful information that our business partners need and want? But I also got to think about, okay, the audit committee, 
the regulators, KPMG, there are our outside auditors. Guess what they're asking for is audit reports, you know, things of that nature. So you're doing that, but then also, as you know, I had to let a lot of people go because they did not measure up. And I did that three weeks into the job. And in fact, that was an interesting thing I did there. Kind of surprised a lot of people what I did. Um, I get here and my second day, I had a team meeting. I introduced myself uh, because the bank had not sent my resume out to my team. So guys, here comes my resume. <laughs> you need to know about me, your new boss. And so um, I wanted to come across as being open and things like that. And then right off the bat, I said, I want each of you to schedule, I think it was like an hour with me. I want to get to know you better and I want you to get to know me better. And so everybody get on my calendar next two or three days. What I also did, I went to the director of HR and said, can you give me a summary of everybody on my team? I want to know who I'm inheriting. Mm -hmm. And well, let's just say there was some interesting information passed along to me. <laughs> From HR, was, yeah. And, and, and this was an audit group, and we've all heard this, that you, you, you've got people who are literally almost both, both feet in the parking lot, meaning they're about ready to exit. You know what? Let's not do that. Let's just throw them in audit. And we've all experienced that where you just fill audit up with kind of the, you know, the leftover, so to speak, people who aren't cutting it for whatever reason elsewhere in an organization. That's what I inherited here. Well, I changed all that and I unloaded just about everybody I inherited. And so I gathered this information from the HR director here. They talked to me, I talked to them. And then three weeks in, uh, and <laughs> You can call it the, the St. Valentine's Day massacre. I did <laughs> oh, it on no. Valentine's Day. Oh, no. <laughs> what I did was I pulled everybody in. We had a team meeting. And I said, I've made my decisions about who I'm going to um, stick with for now. And then those that you know need to move on. And I explained how I went about it. And, you know, and, and as CAEs, we don't always realize the amount of, uh, let's just call it HR, matters and activity you have to get involved in it's not just doing the audit work there's a lot of hr in this kind of scenario you have to deal with and but i also wanted to be sensitive i didn't want to be you know like i'm taking everybody out back and shooting them or anything like that but what i did was i said okay for you people that i've made the decision you're not going to uh, stay in audit i think it was about a two and a half month period of time i said here's what i'm going to let you do during the next two and a half months, and I gave him a drop dead date, I'm going to allow you uh, the opportunity to look internally, look externally. I'll even make time available for you to go interview, whether it's internally or externally. And I'll even uh, uh, feel free to shoot me your resume and I'll review it and sit down with you. I'll critique it for you. Uh, I've done a lot of that in my career, but there's one catch to all of this. If at any time during this two and a half month window, I feel like you're, you're not holding up your end of the bargain, I will fire you immediately. I made that very clear. You have to do that if you're going to mm -hmm. you know, do something like that. And so um, I did it in two phases. They were a year apart and it actually worked really well. And in the meantime, then I'm starting to hire new people, you know, people that are good qualified people. Um, and, and that even that took time. I mean, yeah, there's nothing perfect about the hiring process, but I was starting to grow and build uh, all of this. So 
I've got this HR thing going on, but I'm also, I need to build out a methodology and audit structure and including reporting and, and then the audit committee reporting. I can still remember my first audit committee meeting and I just, I just did not look at what my predecessor did with the audit committee. It was awful. And, and then I went with, here's what I think initially I think is meaningful to the audit committee. I walked in, there are three people on the audit committee, and the looks on their faces as I'm sharing this information about audit and things, obviously, they, they were not told before. It, it was just like this, their eyes got bigger and they're like, oh boy, we have, man, we've been missing some information in the past, Frank, thank you so much. And so almost immediately I'm building trust with the audit committee. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then you got to do the same thing. You know, I was, a, let's see, I got here in January, May of 2012, the board um, approved the creation of the executive committee and I got placed on the executive committee right off the bat. So oh, then I've got five months into it, pretty group. And so I got another group. <laughs> all right. Here's what audit is all about. In fact, today, um, I actually present, uh, I make an audit presentation quarterly to the executive committee. And so, uh, but in between, there's obviously a lot of other stuff going on. I don't hesitate to push things to executive committee, board, whatever it takes. I'm pushing things out. So, um, you know, that's a lot of what was going on initially in this turnaround situation. And, and then on top of that, you got the regulators. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've got their expectations and demands. And, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting the MRIAs, the MRAs and things like that. But then slowly but surely began to see things improving. And they saw it too. And they were becoming more complimentary. And, you know, they have a job to do. And I get that. I understand that. In fact, we've got a really good relationship with the regulators. It's Federal Reserve in the state of California. And we're in a really good place with them right now. And same for KPMG, uh, because they rely on us, not just for credit review, which I have, but also other kind of general, you know, type things that we do for them. Uh, you know, uh, we're, we're not SOCs, so we do FDISHA test work here. We do a ton of FDISHA control test work for KPMG, among other things during the course of the audit. We do some COSO entity level control work and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, you, you really got to get to the basics and build that infrastructure, that structure from which to grow. And it's not only for your staff because, you know, they, they've got to work that structure. They got to work within the, that structure. But then I've got to start communicating that out to all the different stakeholders and helping them understand, here's what audit is going to look like going forward. Yeah, so really, you you had to go through that education program with all those different stakeholders, and I think that's that's one of the important things too. You know that you you're bringing up in in a CAE role, you have more stakeholders that you have to deal with. Okay, so you've got your employees, and I want to come back and talk about employees again just a little bit. But you've got employees, you've got the other executives, the other functions in the company, right? So. You know, you're on the executive committee. That's mm-hmm. that's some of your key stakeholders right there, right? Uh, you know, in your instance, it's family owned. And yes, I know some of those people are on the board, but there's almost like dealing with the family and dealing with the rest of the board almost sometimes becomes two stakeholder groups, depending depending on your depending on your organization, right? Because right. 
you know, sometimes there's other family members that may not be represented on the board, but have a, an investment in the company. And so sometimes there's that side of it you have to deal with as well. You know, obviously the audit committee is part of the part of the board or a subcomponent of it. But then, you know, like again, in your, in your situation, you have regulators. And when you walked in, the relationship with them maybe wasn't the best. That's probably one of the reasons. It, why you it, it wasn't. We, we're, we're in a much better place today. Yeah. And it, and it, and it takes time again, right? Like you said, yeah. you know, year and a half, three years, five years, it takes time. So you have to be, you know, patient and realize that that's what happens. You know, I use the analogy of like a little speedboat versus like a big cruise ship. Well, even even at a smaller bank, you're still on a pretty good sized cruise ship. You can't just turn on a dime. It it takes a while. But I wanted to get back because I because I thought, you know, the experience that you had and the way that you dealt with the employees when you first came in is a great um, thing to go just a little bit deeper into because sure. I think sometimes, uh, you know, and again, so for people that are listening that think you want to be a chief audit executive, but you hate dealing with the people side of the business, mm -hmm. it's probably not the role for you. So either, exactly. either get good at it or get used to it, or just realize that maybe a manager or director level is better for you because there's this, um, <laughs> Uh, like a velvet glove kind of an approach to it, right? Is that sometimes as an executive, you had to, you have to take a hard stance, but you also need to be compassionate and a human about the whole situation as well, right? And so I love how you, how you dealt with your team to begin with. I mean, you could have come in, you know, and just started firing people left and right that would have had a very detrimental impact, you know, both internally and everything else. I mean, it's like Frank the Hatchet mm -hmm. Man or whatever. You'd start getting nicknames, right? That that was the that was the nickname I had. You hit it. Hatchet oh, man. was it was a hatchet hatchet prank? They, I got called that initially. <laughs> <laughs> but but when you look at it, you know, again, it's it's about having clear expectations and and setting those boundaries because like you said you were fair to the people you said look you've got mm -hmm. two and a half months it's not like you're you know not going to be able to pay your rent next month you've got two and a half months i'm here to help you either transition within the bank or somewhere else but i expect certain things of you and if you and if you're not willing to do that then you know you're not keeping up your end of the bargain um that's a that's a great kind of compassionate but yet firm way that's way more emotionally intelligent than just hatcheting people literally right right now i'm i'm guessing too again by doing that um people felt that it was fairer if you will right i mean the the the, yeah. the, the people that you went through and I, and i know this was my case and a lot of times the people that i had to fire or let go whatever you want to call it help them transition a lot of times they were grateful afterwards, even though it was hard going through it, right? True. And, and this is where I think, you know, sometimes the people issues are some of the hardest things you have to deal with in as, as an executive, but they're also the greatest things as well. Sometimes you have to counsel people out, but the developing of your talent and having a great team around you is a fabulous feeling. I mean, that was 
that was the biggest part of the job that I loved. Oh, and I totally agree with that and, and with where we are today because I've got four uh, audit teams. And then when I, I get that feedback back from business partners, even regulators in KPMG or the audit committee, and they're like, you all are doing a really good job. That, you know, that, that report there, you all found some really good stuff there. And we, what, what, what I try and instill in people is, okay, believe me, there are auditors out there that have sort of that mentality, kind of that gotcha mentality. That doesn't <laughs> serve a real useful purpose. And if you're aspiring to move up in an audit organization, the gotcha mentalities, you know, that ain't going to work. Nope. Um, you know, what you got to do is you got to look at it from the standpoint of we're helping people do their jobs better. And what does that translate into? If they're doing their jobs better, that, that's a win for everybody. You know, their business unit, it'll roll up. And then if you start, you start getting that message out, it's, it's filtering out throughout the organization. It kind of catches on hmm. and people realize that one audit's not the, you know, they're not the big bad wolf or anything like that. You know, believe me, even today, we're, we're still putting out audit results that, you know, not everybody likes, but we report what we find. We don't make this stuff up. Mm -hmm. We simply report what we find in the, and we I truly view audit as a value add if done correctly, that we're just helping you to do your job better. If along the way, speaking of the people aspect of it, this has happened here, we, we work with people who it's obvious that that, that role they're in, okay, that's not a good fit. You know, they, you know, they need to be off doing something else. Let's, let's recognize that as a bank and let's help them out. And if that's and even if that's to the point of, okay, maybe the, their future's not here with this bank. You know, they, maybe they just simply need to leave the organization and go off and find something that's more amenable to, you know, their interest level. And, and cause I've always said, you know, two things about a job, enjoy whatever it is you do and make sure it's a good fit. And if you can't get to one or both of those, you, you truly do need to move on because what will happen over time is that'll show up in your work effort. Yep. And you, you will, unfortunately, you will eventually pay a price for that. And, well, and you, you need to avoid that. Yeah, it shows up in your work effort, but it usually also shows up in your personal life mm -hmm. because pe people start experiencing stress or health issues or other stuff if, if it's not a fit and they know it and they're not doing anything about it as well. Right. So, you know, because then the pressures of work start to start to happen more and that ju it just carries over. And so you're right, you know, if, if, if it's not a good fit and you're not enjoying it, time to move on, right? Um, there's lots of jobs that are out there um, you just may not be in the right fit for you. It might be the right job, but maybe it's not the right manager that you're reporting to, right? right? Or it might not be the right culture of the company or something like that. Well, go and find what is going to be that, that good fit for you. Um, but you know, especially too, cause you were talking about kind of rebuilding your team, you know, getting people in there that really could kind of do things and act the way that you needed them to. You have to get that team in place mm -hmm. and, you know, get the right people on the bus, get the right people in the right seats. And I'm trying to remember, I remember Jim Collins talked about that, but I can't remember who else did. I, I know I've heard that several times. Um, and then you can start going, right? Because it, it's going to take you that three to five years. I mean, that's yeah. normal. It was the same way for me. 
um, but surrounding yourself with good people. And I think this is one of the, the things, you know, to give you kudos on that seems like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I know people on your team, they're happy, <laughs> you yep. know, and it's, and it's, it's, um, you know, the idea of kind of like, like Sir Richard Branson says, you know, mm-hmm. take care of your employees, your employees will take care of your customers. If your customers are taken care of revenues and everything is going to be taken care of. So we can even think the same way here. If we take care of our audit team and we build a good culture and we have that, you know, the right things going on within our team, then our team is going to take care of our customers. Okay. They just happen to be internal to the company you know, but there are these different mm-hmm. stakeholders and if they're taken care of, right, then everybody's feeling good. Right. Um, so yeah, good on you for that. <laughs> well, preach, appreciate that. And even, even when you, you know, hire good people surround yourself in that way, there's still going to be moments and they definitely happen even with some of the folks I've still got today that, um, okay, I, I get that phone call or I'm in a meeting and somebody says, Hey, Frank, you got a minute. <laughs> and they, they, you're like, okay, all right. Um, and it becomes a conversation around maybe something just kind of rubbed them the wrong way for whatever reason during the course of the audit or a conversation or something like that. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to push back on them. I'm listening. I'm gathering information. And then I said, okay, thank you for this. I'm going to go talk to you know whoever you know, about this. And if, you know, I've even had situations where, um, you know, it's been one of my managers and of course I go directly to them, but also, um, you know, I bring the manager in if it's one of my staff and I'll go to the manager first and say, okay, had this conversation with such and so, all right, I've got their side of the story. Now what's our side of the story? As we all know, there's two sides to every story. Yeah, I was, I was going to actually bring that up, but you did a good callback on that, right? Because <laughs> there is always two sides to the story. And so if yeah. you make a snap decision, you know, if, if you tell that executive, oh, I'll take care of it, you know, kind of thing without getting your side of it, it's like they may be totally wrong or both of us may be totally wrong and something exactly. in the middle is the right fit, but you don't know until you've investigated. Right. And, you know, if there is something there, Okay, acknowledge it. And yeah, once you get through everything, acknowledge it. You need to, okay, if that employee needs some, uh, whether it's some coaching, some counseling, whatever the case may be, you got to deal with it. And don't just think because you're audit, you know, everything's hunky-dory. I mean, there's still people at the end of the day. We all are. And we're human. And, you know, they're bad days. And hopefully there are a lot of really good days, which usually there are. But you may have had a moment where, okay, it got away from you a little bit. And I've had a few of those. Mm-hmm. And once I talked to the employee, they basically said that, you know, that, yeah, that one kind of got away from me a little bit. I'm like, okay, well, I'm glad we're talking about it. Now let's talk about the next time something like that might happen. You know, this is a learning moment for you in how to better handle that, you know, the next time around. So, you know, it, you have to do that and you can't just, you know, like sweep it under the rug or just kind of hope it goes away. Gets worse just, if you do. Credence, my stature has just taken a hit. Credence has just taken a hit. And there's also, it starts going down a path of trust. When people come to me with what they think is good information, um, they're trusting me to do something about it. 
And I do have quite a reputation here at the bank that when something does come up, I deal with it. I don't let it fester. I don't park it in the corner or anything like that. I get right on it because everybody benefits. And, and you know, at the end of the day, and that, that's just something I've done my entire career, but it really has played out very well here. And to have that kind of reputation that people like, if they bring something to my attention, they know Frank's going to deal with it. Great. That that's part of me being a CAE. Yeah. Well, cause that's, that's really that executive mindset and presence that you, that you have to have, you know, as, mm-hmm. as an executive. And again, that's why we call it chief audit executive, regardless oh. of what the title is, but you need to be, you know, acting as an executive. And, and sometimes that means doing things that are hard that we don't necessarily want to do, but it's part of the job. And like you said, the quicker you actually, you know, address it and deal with mm-hmm. it, you know, from, from an, from an integrity standpoint, that's how you develop the trust over time. Right. right. And, and that's why, again, people, you know, it takes years to do this. Um, and, and you just have to continue to be consistent in how we're doing it and showing up and listen to both sides of the story, you know, realize people are people and we're dealing with humans. And that means there's sometimes emotions involved. And, you know, that's why, again, the further up you go in the organization, you got to start working on your soft skills. And if you don't want to do that or you, you, you know, for whatever reason, don't like it, then executive level, probably not for you. Yeah. And you don't want to, you don't want to make it to an executive level and then have quote HR issues. I'll say, take you down that that's, I've seen that that's so many not times. a good place to be. No. That, and I've, I've seen that so many times because a lot of times people end up getting promoted up because of the technical expertise yeah. and we forget to look at the soft skills side of it. And then something, you know, blows up and it takes somebody's career down. So that's, that's why I keep preaching to everybody. Soft skills, soft skills, soft skills. You know, it's like you're you're not going to make it if you don't if you don't do that. So, but I think in speaking of the soft skills, also we can't lose sight of the uh, verbal and written skills too. Yeah. Extremely important. But as I like to say, uh, thinking well on your feet, and mm-hmm. as part of that executive presence, uh, you you really got to be able to do that because there can be you know, just a spot moment that uh, you get a question or a reaction. I don't care if it's in a board meeting, audit committee meeting, executive committee. We have bi-monthly manager meetings. And from time to time, maybe once a year, I'm invited to, to speak. And those questions come from the floor. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got the chief auditor up here. I'm going <laughs> to see if I can make him squirm a little bit. <laughs> it was that bullseye that we were talking about before we started recording. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and, that, and that's just it. It's like, Okay, yeah, I wear the bullseye. I got to be able to handle that moment. Yeah. And, you know, and again, it's part of that. Don't, you know, fly off the handle or anything like that or say, oh, well, that's, that's wrong. We don't do it that way. Uh, Okay. If there, if you need to acknowledge certain things about it, acknowledge them and uh, share what you can at that moment. And if you can't fully answer it, that's okay. And but circle back with that individual later and say, let me give you some additional insights. Yeah. Well, and so, I, I, th- I think that's an important thing for people to remember, regardless of what level you are. Mm-hmm. If someone asks you a question and you don't know the answer, don't try to make up an answer. Have yeah. the courage to say, you know what, that's a great question. I'm not really sure. I'm going to have to do a little bit of research and I'm going to get back to you on that. 
because that's that is one you know key takeaway for you if if you have the courage to actually do that it's going to save you so much headache down the road and realize there's nothing wrong with that it's nothing wrong with weakness or i've got a i'm technically weak at the moment or something like that that's not it at all it's just you know acknowledging that okay i i don't have it right on the tip of my tongue at the moment but i'm going to get back with you and and then that's the other side of it is you have to get back with that person and do it in a timely manner yep yep well just like everything i we end up getting talking and time goes by and it's like okay i guess we have to cut it off or else people will be listening to this for two hours right but um frank thank you thank you for coming on and talking because again i think it um it really helps the profession for people to kind of see and learn from what others are doing and again you know what we talked about today may not be perfect for everybody's organization because there's no correct owner's manual but there's, there's different things, again, that we talked about that can help everybody in their career. You know, if you go back and think about and, and make a mental note, go back and listen again and take notes if you want to. But there's some things that were shared today that can help anybody in their career. So I really appreciate you helping get the well, word out there. Well, I appreciate you asking me to participate because I'm a firm believer in giving back. Yeah. And we're a big profession and there, and there's a lot of focus on our profession these days and mm-hmm. we'll continue to be that way. And if this is, I'll say one small way I can help, you know, other CAEs sort of get through something or, or think about something a little differently. Okay. That's part of the give back, you know, from my perspective. So I'm, yeah. I'm more than happy you know, to do this. I'm glad you invited me to this. Well, thanks. And again, yeah, well, uh, We'll be talking again, I'm sure. Who knows? Oh, yeah. Might have, might have to have you back for another episode in the future as well. Hey, I'm, I'm happy to do it. All right. Well, hey, Frank, thank you. And for all the listeners, um, thanks for listening in. And we'll catch you on a future episode of Jamming with Jason. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. Have a great rest of your day. And I'll catch you later on the next show. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, head on over to C-Risk Academy at ondemand.criskacademy.com. And that's C as in the letter C, riskacademy.com. Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you also will have access to the video version of today's show. The views and opinions expressed on this show are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.